Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about abuse and insecurity. But before we do that, I want to remind you that in addition to what we provide here on the PeaceWorks podcast, chrismoles.org, uh, we, over there at our website, we try to offer additional resources that may be helpful to you. And the one that I remind you of week after week is PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community, and it is chock full of great material, uh, very similar to the PeaceWorks podcast, but organized, expanded upon, and uh, delivered to you in a very, very well and for a reasonable price. So if you're not part of PeaceWorks University, let me encourage you to head over to chrismoles.org and investigate. We'd love to have you as part of our PeaceWorks University family. So I said today we're going to talk a little bit about insecurity. And the reason why it comes up is I received a question recently, and it's not an uncommon question, uh, just the idea or trying to understand better, uh, are abusers insecure? There's actually a, a significant amount of uh, effort made by some folks in the work to suggest that insecurity is the primary motivation of abuse, that abusers are themselves insecure, and it's out of that insecurity that they operate. Now, I would not necessarily support that thesis. I, I would not say that abuse is somehow birthed out of insecurity, but I do believe that insecurity is a factor in particular in domestic abuse. Uh, now, part of me, though, wants to caveat that or balance that by really understanding what we mean by insecurity. So a classic definition of insecurity is the idea of a lack of confidence. I think if you were to open up the old Webster's or, or some other dictionary, it would that would probably be the first description, that insecurity is a lack of confidence maybe in your own ability or in a, a certain framework. And often when we talk about insecurity, it's, it's things regarding the effectiveness of my work or the credibility of my work. So insecurity can keep us from maybe taking risks professionally. Uh, insecurity can tempt us to, to avoid certain settings like public speaking or being in environments where we're uncomfortable because we lack that confidence to really step out. And all of us struggle with it. I think it's a universal reality of being human. For the most part, uh, we're all insecure in some ways. Uh, for instance, I'm much more comfortable speaking publicly than other folks. Like, and I, I often say this with, with people who are friends. They know me. They know that I'm much more comfortable uh, being in front of a group of a thousand people than being in a group of a thousand people. I'm much more comfortable uh, discussing things in an organized format than chit-chatting with someone at an airport. It, all of us have those, I think, areas of comfort that others find difficult. And uh, it, it is, uh, in many ways, worldview-based. How we see the world, what we value, 
and find important. So that is part of uh, what needs to be discussed in our world, the, the worldview piece, because I don't think that batterers or abusive individuals lack confidence. In fact, I think if we're going to use that basic definition of insecurity, then most abusers do not fall into that category. I think it's unfair or inaccurate to say that abusers are insecure. They are among the most confident people I've ever met in my life. Um, So the idea of a lack of confidence in my own ability is not necessarily what we're talking about when people bring up insecurity as a core issue among abusers. In fact, uh, abusers tend to have a very high view of self. In fact, it's an interesting um, discussion because many folks who will ascribe to the um, abusers are insecure and that's that's what needs to be remedied um, world would then promote an idea of increased self-esteem or self-awareness. And while I would agree that there needs to be a proper self-understanding, I would actually go in the other direction. I, I don't think that abusers need uh, more self-esteem. I, I don't think from just observation primarily that they're harming other people or controlling other people because they have a low view of self. I would say they're actually harming others because they have a very high view of self. And it is that other people are not coming on board with that. So if my worldview has me at the center and I am of utmost importance to myself and my happiness, my comfort, my superiority, uh, all of that, whether overt, spoken, you know, placed out there for the world or whether some kind of covert, hidden, maybe even subconscious, if you want to use that word, uh, level of pride is driving it, it still will um, be evident that I'm about me. And, and that's not really the the heart of what people think when they think insecurity. Now, granted, that is what it is. I mean, let's be honest. The reason why I'm uncomfortable chit-chatting with strangers at airports is because I'm uncomfortable. I'm insecure in my ability because uh, it's not something that I value, right? It's not something that I really want to do. It's difficult for me. So in that regard, I'm I'm being pretty self-focused in that regard. But with batterers and abusers, I think it's even more um, elevated. I think it's an even higher point of contention that it's not necessarily a lack of confidence. It is, they are, uh, for the most part, incredibly confident. It is in many ways a lack of control. Uh, and, and that is why when I talk about insecurity and abuse, I tend to use words like uh, fear fueled by pride, fear fueled by pride. Because when it comes to battering and abuse, I don't think the insecurity conversation is about a lack of confidence. I think it's manifested more in these insecure attachments, which are really much more about control. If you know about, uh, so insecure attachments would be things like jealousy, dependency, uh, things like that. Those are the way in which they're manifest. And often in abuse, it's much more about control. So is the fear present in an abuser is it that they lack confidence or is it that they fear that they're going to lose control? And I would I would lean towards the latter. And so the the next, you know, logical conclusion then is okay, 
is it a chicken and the egg then? Or, or what fuels that insecurity? If it's not about a lack of confidence that most of us think of when we think of our insecurities, it's really about a, a lack of control because there is a, you know, I deserve this, I have a right to this, that entitlement and pride is fueling it, then um, what what's the next step? How How does it continue to build? And I think it builds on itself, meaning that in this type of insecurity based in a loss or a lack of control, I will never find satisfaction. I will never find security. I will never find comfort because I can never truly be in control. I can never truly say, I've got this licked. I've got this 100% under control. And so that breeds more insecurity. So instead of being, you know, I'm afraid that I'll fail or I'm afraid that I won't be as good as I could be or I'm afraid other people will, will judge me, the insecurities manifest in I'm afraid I'll lose. I'm afraid she'll one-up me. I'm afraid she'll leave me. I'm afraid I'll fail at my objective of controlling. I'm afraid I'll be found out or I'm afraid I'll be exposed uh, as controlling or among other things, all kinds of other manifestations of that. So yes, in the long way around the barn, insecurity does play a role in battering and abuse. But I think it's quite different than this idea of lack of confidence, because I think the last thing, if you've got an individual who is afraid of losing control, and so they tighten their grip and tighten their grip and tighten their grip and tighten their grip, do you really want to treat that, respond to that, um, address that by building their confidence? It doesn't, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I do not want to look at an abuser and say, you can do it. Like, you got to believe in yourself. You got to go get it. You can control this person. The exact opposite, right? You, you have to let go of this. You've got to stop this controlling behavior. And I think that's why worldview is so central to the discussion, where we really invite an individual to self-reflect, to look intrinsically and say, what is it that's motivating me to want to control what is it that's driving me to attempt to control my partner, to uh, harm my partner? And really, at the end of the day, um, that fear of failure, fear of being found out, fear of losing someone, the jealousy, the dependency, again, that's all built on a worldview that says I'm entitled. It's all built on a worldview that's individually centric. So I don't want to build more confidence in that. I don't think it's we're dealing with a self-esteem issue. I think we're dealing with a other esteem issue. Like, how do you view other people? Of course, if you're a believer, how do you view God? And so really, the, the, the two remedies, I guess, the two areas that I would want to address is first a, a great commandment response, right? If you recall... Jesus, when um, confronted by the religious leaders who wanted to know, you know, what's the greatest commandment? It's obviously a trap because whatever commandment Jesus were to choose, they could come back and, you know, wrap him up and say, well, he values this over that and, and so on. Of course, Jesus, being brilliant, you know, takes the one area that they can't re refute, which is, yeah, the love of the Lord your God with everything you got. 
and to love your neighbor as yourself. I bring that up because within the world of insecurity and self-worth and, and self-esteem within counseling therapy and others, other um, disciplines, you often hear individuals say, and I don't want to get in too deep of a debate about this, but they will say that the great commandment has three commands, love God, love others, love yourself. I would, um, I would disagree from a worldview and hermeneutic perspective. I think Jesus is assuming that we love ourselves. I think he's assuming that all of us have this capacity and bent and lean towards self-gratification and that insecurity that promotes protectionism and, and keeping those arrows turned in. But he does make it very clear that the first command is to love God and the second is like it. That, you know, hermeneutically, Jesus doesn't say, and the third is, he just gives two. So I do think he assumes self-love here, but there are three perspectives. I do think sometimes Christians will throw out that um, self self-esteem interpretation of the great commandment uh, baby with the bathwater though I think they'll throw it out and then not recognize that there are three perspectives here that you do need to have a proper perspective on yourself like that that's part of the passage so we'd want to love God we want to love others but we really need to do that we got to know who we are we got to have a perspective I think that's why Paul says later on in the New Testament you know to have a, a sober view of self you really got to you know, don't view yourself uh, more highly than you ought. So there is a perspective. And I think that's what a lot of abusers lack is a self-perspective. They, they are coming really already, coming to the table in many ways with that worldview of there's three commands, right? So I've got to properly love myself and then I can do the others. But they're never going to achieve that self-love because they have such a high view of themselves, right? And it's not just that I'm trying to get self-reflection and self-perspective. I'm trying to get you as my partner to value me and esteem me in the way that I think I deserve. And so that's a, that's a fool's errand in many ways. It's futile because there's no possible way that the individual holding that worldview is going to be satisfied. Does that make sense, uh, listener? I hope you are understanding this, that you know, if an abuser or any individual is trying to manipulate, control, coerce, demean, demand, destroy in such a way that you see them the way they see themselves, that you make them the center of the universe as much as they have made themselves the center of the universe, then it, it's futile. It will never be enough. That will never, ever satisfy. And in that regard, it is insecurity. But it's it's based not in this genuine lack, genuine need. It's based in an inauthentic and false narrative about oneself. Of course, if I claimed, and if I thought in my mind, let's do this, that I was the world's greatest uh, vocalist. I was a great singer. Now I sing, I lead worship at church sometimes. I've sang since I was a little boy. I love music. But I feel like I've got a proper perspective. Like I know who I am and I know what I can do. But let's say I didn't. Let's say I had convinced myself. You know, I'd gone to a couple karaoke nights and people told me how great I was. And I had convinced myself that I should audition for what's the big show? Let's say American Idol. And we see that all the time. And individuals convince themselves that they're great and their bubble is burst. 
Well, with a, an abuser, the bubble's not burst by rejection. What happens is because I'm so convinced of my perspective, I'm so convinced of my position, that when someone challenges that, my bubble isn't burst. I'm not pushed into self-reflection, right? So when Simon or whoever tells me I'm not a, not a great singer, I don't go back and listen to myself and self-reflect and say, you know what, he might be right. No, I defy that and I defend my worldview and I try to intimidate him or manipulate him in such a way that he comes around. And if he doesn't, I dismiss him as less than ignorant or, or what have you, or um, spiteful. That's more of an abuser mentality. I'm still insecure, yes, but the insecure is fueled by this worldview of greatness and superiority. So anytime that an individual tries to confront that, it's often met with defensiveness because we tend to defend our own pride. We tend to defend our own pride. When we become defensive, we're usually defending our own entitlement. And I think that's an area where the first thing is to give a proper biblical perspective. So I like to use the great commandment, as I said. You know, is God really number one? Are other people really valued? Or is your entire worldview based on yourself? Are people in your life there to be loved or to be used? Is God... Um, superior in your life to be served and worshiped, or is he the genie in the bottle or a doctrinal position you can manipulate or what have you? If you are the centerpiece, right, then absolutely that insecurity will build. And what it is is fear fueled by pride. So the second remedy, the second uh, pushback, the first being Let's take a look at the great commandment and get a proper worldview. I think the second would be to understand um, fear and fear's uh, proper perspective when it comes to uh, fear versus love. So when you think about, was it First John? Um, John tells us that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And I, I tend to think that fear breeds fear. So let's say I'm entitled, I'm prideful, my worldview is very self-centered, and so I'm demanding, coercing, controlling, demeaning, destroying, manipulating, doing what I can to get my partner to come around and to serve me and worship me, quite frankly, in the way that I think I deserve it. My insecurity, my fear, what we call that insecure attachment, jealousy, dependency, all of that will be manifest in some form of manipulation, whether it be um, manipulative coercion or whether it be punishment. I'm creating under me a culture of fear. If my worldview is entirely motivated by pride fueled by fear, then my manifestations will be trying to motivate you, my partner, based, again, on my pride to develop fear. So I will be punishing. I will be uh, manipulative. I will be coercive. And you better get on board. There will be consequences if you don't get on board with my agenda, with my worldview. So what's the remedy? Well, I think the remedy on a meta scale, like on a larger scale, is to really understand the distinction between that pride and love. That the perfect love, real love, 
casts out fear. That when you look at the impact of your behavior, if you're an abusive person and you're listening to this, and you've been genuinely, passionately, you really feel confident that you are pursuing the best interests for your family. If you just take a moment and you just can write out what are my what's my family experiencing? Is my wife afraid? Are my children afraid? Are they willing to share with me or do they hide from me? Is there honesty and openness or is there resentment and bitterness? And you begin to look at the impact. Is your relationship really built on love that produces mutuality and reciprocity? Or is your relationship built on fear because of punishment? Then the second question might be, who am I really serving? Am I serving my family? Am I serving God? Or has my entire structure been built in such a way to serve myself, to protect me from my own fear based on my own entitlement? Have I built everything in my life around my own comfort, my own desires, my own security? If so, I don't think that you need to repent necessarily of insecurity. I think you need to begin with a new worldview. Self-reflect enough to ask those hard questions. If the impact is true, if my relationship is built around ultimatums and consequences and punishment and fear, if my um, insecurities are manifest in attachment-oriented manifestations like dependency and jealousy, if my fears are really built around what I'm going to lose, then perhaps I need to ask the question, have I been abusing my family? And a real honest self-reflection will then come back to that worldview argument. Who's the most important? Because this insecurity is not causing you to be abusive. You see, your abuse is just fueling the insecurity. It's just tightening the grip. And so what's needed right now is enough heart-level self-reflection to ask those hard questions and then to pursue real, real help that's going to move beyond that. Well, I hope that was a clear enough articulation of this idea of insecurity and battery. There, there are many out there who believe that uh, batterers lack confidence and self-esteem. I'm not one of them. I think Abusive individuals have plenty of confidence to spare and a lot of self-esteem. And what they need is really high Christ esteem. They need to view Jesus bigger than themselves, others more important than themselves. They ought to have a right perspective on themselves, not this inflated perspective on themselves. So thank you guys for joining us this week. I hope that uh, question, that answer uh, helps you in your ministry or maybe your own personal self-reflection. I appreciate everybody being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Be sure to rate and review. Let the platforms that you're listening on know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. Until next time, God bless.